0: Every team, every topic, everywhere, this is Believe.
1: TDN Fantasy. The TDN Fantasy, the TDN Fantasy, Podcast. Podcast. Fantasy Podcast. With your
2: host Paige demakos Jamie Eisner, and Jake Arians. Welcome into the TDN Fantasy
0: Podcast. Paige Demacos, Jake Arians, Jamie Eisner, a post-Thanksgiving Uh, episode. I hope everyone had a lovely Thanksgiving. I know I did because the Bears won Uh, and I knew that my dad would be absolutely miserable yesterday at Thanksgiving. So very thankful that the the Bears were able to take care of business. So we got a couple of uh, Turkey Day games to recap and then we will get into previews of all of the weekend's uh, matchups, a lot of good ones, a lot of playoff implications happening this weekend as we're in week 13 and it's getting to be, it's December, December this weekend. We're like really getting into the, to the, to the heat of the, of the fantasy season. Uh, playoffs are starting for a lot of people coming in the next week. So lots of good stuff happening. So Guys, let's first start off with recaps of of yesterday's game. We'll start off with that that Bears victory. They get it done 24 20. Jake, you picked the game on the number, so I'll let you go first. Your thoughts on, on that game.
1: I thought the Bears looked good. You know, Trubisky struggled a little bit here and there, but when he's on the move, he's solid, man. They need to get him back on the the play action stuff. I thought David Montgomery had a really solid day. Allen Robinson had a bigger day than I thought he was going to have. Uh the Bears look solid, but you gotta give the Lions credit. They're down to their third string quarterback. And the kid played his ass off. I mean, big day for Galladay, big day for Marvin Jones. Uh, Hawkinson with some nice catches, looked very physical late. Uh, but the Bears did enough to come back and win and get it done. But, I mean, the Lions, honey, they didn't hang in there. They had to lead until late. But you got to give Trubisky credit. you got to give Jamie credit for saying it. It was a hell of a, hell of a fantasy play, his first 300-yard game in, like, 16 games. Uh, but three touchdowns. And he played really well. And I was really impressed. And I think that Bears-Cowboys game next Thursday is going to be really interesting.
2: Yeah, I agree. It's going to be a really interesting matchup, and you know what I liked here is that Trubisky kind of had, kind of had a weird sort of a game where he looked really good in that opening drive. That those those first whatever how many plays that drive took that they scripted looked really strong. Ends with a touchdown. Has some adversity in the middle of that game that he had to overcome, and the, the, a lot of people again, he's not going to one game is not going to get the critics to go away, nor should it. Uh, but he came back and looked really strong in the late in that game and did enough to get them the victory. Uh, another guy that I liked this week that I was really happy to see had a big game was Anthony Miller, uh, yeah. nine for one forty there. Even though he's there. sitting
1: on your bench while we're playing each other, uh, I was that about that too.
2: He is for me, but I, I did play him in another league. But uh, he had a big game here. He's again heavily involved in that offense. He looks good. He finally looks healthy.
1: Out.
2: He does, and, and and he is a re- again, he's a player that was heavily involved in that offense last year that really has taken some time to kind of get back into that role this year. He's someone to kind of watch going forward. Uh, On the Lions' side, it wasn't a big fantasy day, but you have to be encouraged if you're a Bo Scarborough owner. They still stuck with him. He got 21 carries for 83 yards. Like, that's what you're looking for. Um, This wasn't a great matchup. You probably had him on your bench this week, but he's somebody that that's encouraging for you going forward, even though he didn't have a huge day. love to see Kenny Galladay with that big game, especially that huge play from David Blau to open the game on the second play for Detroit, but – uh, look, the Bears need to win this game. They did enough to get the job done. What are they, 6-6 six and six now? Yeah, right on the nose, 6-6. Yeah. Six six and six. Six. You can still pretend that they have playoff hopes, uh, so I think that's the thing that you can hope for if you're a Bears fan, but let's hope this is a step in the right direction for them, at least for that offense going forward.
0: Yeah, I love to see. Obviously, from the Bears fan, I love to see Trubisky uh, as the player of the game gets a gets a nice drive down in the in the fourth quarter to take him down and, and put him ahead. Um, big moment for him, right? Like Jamie said, it's not enough to to take the criticism away, but the reality is they they're they're going to ride with Mitch. And this was a, a good moment for him. He didn't get to play in this game last year. It was a thing that he really wanted to do. Um, got a victory while everybody's watching. Had a good game and it was a, it was a good moment for him good moment for the team they had rallied around him at the end you see him all in the locker room breaking it down with number 10 and he's talking about loving his family and loving his team and it, it was a good moment for for bears fans to see and for for cuz i i want the kid to succeed and it's been it's been a tough year for him so the bears get to 6 and 6 and Jamie thanks for the Anthony Miller conversation ahead of that cuz i plugged Anthony Miller in yesterday and Sat Marvin Jones who's been great for me and Anthony Miller had a bigger day than Marvin Jones so I was very happy that I uh, made that move, and hopefully some of the rest of you did as well. Uh, the next game we're going to talk about, I am a thoroughly enjoyed. To this is a, it's funny because I love as much as I love watching the Bears win. I almost equally enjoyed watching what happened for Buffalo in this game because I just live for a couple of things: Dallas Cowboy fans' tears and two Stephen A. Smith's post-game rants. Uh, they're <laughs> fantastic. He was drinking wine and laughing and mocking the Cowboys, which was highly entertaining. So, uh, listen, the Buffalo Bills really—they took care of business, 26 to 15. Uh, this, the, the Bills really—they own this game for. Pretty much the entirety of this game. Uh, Jake, you're in Texas. So how's it feeling down there? Because we six and a half point favorites going into this game. We talked about how that line was inflated because of Cowboys fans. But at the end of the day, they take a take an L and an L in front of the entire country watching.
1: They took an L at home and a black eye and another black eye and a bloody lip. And it was ugly. And they hit him in the mouth early. The Cowboys had a great drive scripted. A lot like you just said about the Bears. They go down and score. And I literally said came out right out of my mouth, we'll see what happens, what we'll, we'll see what happens right now after that script, because they had a great game plan going in. Sean McDermott does a hell of a job. You just start of look at the names on that defense, the guys they've drafted, the guys that are in their play, I mean, they're playing their asses off. That defense, it looks a lot like the Carolina Panthers back in the day, but in a better version, because you mix in the Jimmy Johnson, uh, I'm talking about Jimmy Johnson, defense coordinator for the Eagles that McDermott came up under for all those years, where they're they're like the Panthers, but they blitz. But the star of that game is Josh Allen. Dude, I liked him coming out, but he was raw. And he had this this monster arm that I said last week, that game really fits in Buffalo because of the wins. But John Brown's playing good. Singletary looks explosive. Frank Gore looks done, but he's a Hall of Famer. He can do what he wants at this point. Hang him around for another year get some more yards. Uh, but their offensive line is solid. They have a nastiness about him. And Josh Allen has a nastiness about him. If he wasn't white, we would talk about his the next coming of Cam Newton. Mm-hmm. I'm just going to say it. Like, the only dude... And he's the fourth guy in the history of the NFL to have back-to-back eight rushing touchdown seasons at quarterback. It's Cam Newton, Steve McNair, Michael Vick, and Josh Allen, which means Josh Allen in two years has more rushing touchdowns than Lamar Jackson, has the second most in the history of the NFL through his first two years, to Cam Newton who had 22, he has 16, and he's got, what, five games left. He is an an absolute physical monster, Mm -hmm. but can sling it. Cam Newton can never throw it like Josh Allen can right now, and he's getting better and better at throwing it. But, dude, that arm, oh, my God, the arm is is elite. And the accuracy is getting better. They were fun to watch, and I got to eat my words because I was talking about next-gen stats, and they're 5-1. and one. They're the worst 5-1 team ever because they didn't play anybody on that stuff. You are what your record says you are eventually, according to Bill Parcells. They're freaking 9-3, and three, and I would not want to play them. If I'm the Patriots, I damn sure don't want to play them again because they look Solid all the way around. They don't beat themselves. I know you heard that in the commentary a lot, but they really don't. They play a very complementary football. They get turnover if they rush the passer. They stop the run. I like what they're building, and they're young. I really like what they're building there.
2: Yeah, and like you said, Jake, Josh Allen's accuracy issues were really the only thing that was holding him back. He has all the physical tools, and, and I think we brought up, and I think you did specifically brought up the name Cam Newton earlier when he was around draft time of like this is he's a big physical quarterback that that has a, has a great arm and, and, can, and can have success in the league. And, you know, one of the plays that epitomized that was not even a throw he made, was something I don't think I've ever seen before where the, the ball is fumbled, the snap is fumbled.
1: Oh, that He's was unbelievable.
2: digging in the pile, picks it up, and then jumps over and gets the
1: first down. <laughs> no, he gets jumps and that. gets stopped, and then yeah. has a second effort to gain four yards on the play. Yeah, I don't think I've ever seen that before. And then jumps up, points first down, and his team, I mean, look, you have a quarterback that will go do something like that. Everybody on that team picks it up and plays harder because they just went, dude, our freaking star quarterback just went in the pile, dove over the pile, got stopped, and gained four yards and got this first down. We're all picking up our play. That's the stuff that galvanizes the team. And you could see that young team is having fun, but, man, do they play hard.
2: They do. And, and look, the addition of Cole Beasley in the offseason has been huge for not only Josh Allen, but for the Bills overall. He has a big game here in his return to Dallas, 6 for 110 and a touchdown. He's given Josh Allen that legitimate safety blanket that he lacked last year. Uh, John Brown's taken another step forward. Been, he's, you know, he didn't have a huge game here, but still a, a great presence on the team. Singletary's starting to come into his own. He's still splitting close on the carries, but they're using him a lot more in the passing game. He's really going to have a bigger, bigger role going forward.
1: He looked explosive, too. Look, the Bills have a bit on national TV. This was a big stage for them, man. man, the did Dallas. they show up.
2: Yeah, I mean, he's not the fastest guy in the world, so he doesn't have some of these splashy plays that some of the other rookie running backs or some of the other second-year guys have, but he's a pretty solid player that should only continue to improve next year. And look, on the Dallas side of things, uh, it's just its not the enough. The Dallas loaded. side of things
1: is they're going to go 9-7, and seven, win the division, yeah. and not be the team with the winning record. I mean, maybe. And they then get, and the then get trounced in the playoffs. I mean, this is, at gonna, home. this
2: is This is going to come down to that Week 16 Eagles-Cowboys game because the Eagles don't play an NFL team the rest of the season except for Dallas
1: in Week 16.
2: Like, that's I, don't gonna know, be I don't know if
1: I'd call them that at this point. They had a hell of a roster. And I was really expecting the full Jerry blow-up last night. Jerry was so pissed, he's like, it's not the time right now. If I fire Jason Garrett, we got no chance at the Super Bowl. That's all we got. I, I, I was I was good and tipsy by then. I was waiting on like, a good Jerry, like it, like one of those like I'm sweaty and I'm in the hallway outside the locker room, like not in a press conference, but I'm just like I'm going to grab the first reporter that's here and I'm going nuts. And we didn't get any of that. So Jerry was so pissed he just was like, "It now is not the time to ask me about Jason Garrett."
2: Yeah, and look, Amari Cooper's going for X-rays today. We'll see what happens. Took that big hit to the knee in the game. It's Look, just, he played his ass
1: off too. He, he I mean, Look, I, I said it the other day. It's kind of the year of the non-diva in the NFL. You got a bunch of receivers in this typical diva positions, other than Jalen Ramsey, that are just—they're toughing it out. Guys are playing through injuries. Guys are playing for contracts. I mean, but they're—they're they're showing up, playing through turf toes. And I mean, this stuff. I people don't get when I when I talk about this stuff, and when I'm talking about you got to get ready in four days to play on Thanksgiving. Man, like, I just, it, it's impressive to me because the last four or five years, we've seen a ton of this diva wide out stuff. And it's its nice to see these guys. Anthony Miller's a little bitty dude. He is physical. He's like, he's fun to watch. He's like watching Mike Allstott and a little bitty body playing freaking receiver. He doesn't <laughs> run out of bounds. He tries to truck the dude. It's, it's, you know what I mean? He catches it out and he turns it up. Like, you don't care if it's a safety or whoever it is. Like, that's fun to watch, man. That's football. And Amari Cooper is tough as hell to be fighting through all these injuries to get that freaking shot to his knee and come back in. Like, that's impressive. I I, I love seeing stuff like that. Somebody's going to pay him a ton of money because that dude is better. I always thought he was good. He is in the elite category, man, because he was matched up last night with Tredavious White almost exclusively and had a freaking solid game
0: yeah no it's uh it was nice to see like him tough through all that it's hopefully his x-rays come back and and he's able to to move forward they'd have a they don't get that extended turnaround time right they play next week again on Thursday night so back to back Thursday yeah. night uh, games and they're on the road in Chicago um so it's gonna be interesting to because Jerry Jones it wasn't what I was expecting post game right it was a a more emotional Jerry. Um, some of his comments in an emotional, like, you know, almost like a somber way, right. Where he almost like realizes that he's probably inevitably going to have to fire Jason Garrett and talked kind of about what it, you know, who Jason is and how, what their history is and, and all of that. And, he, he got up. If you've seen the video that everybody obviously, it's all over social media and has some funny uh, memes attached to it. But he got up before the game even ended and was out of there. Like he was, you could tell he was pissed. By right? the He's
1: way, just... guys, like we, it, it, we should, because should, we're going to talk about this throughout the rest of the year and when it happens. Jason Garrett's had a hell of a damn tenure there. He's like 62% winning percentage. Mm-hmm. That, Dak Prescott, since coming in the league, the second most wins to Tom Brady of any quarterback in the last four years. Jason Garrett's only been in the playoffs three times and the playoff successes are or where they've been fails. But he's like 82 and 61 or something as their head coach.
0: Yeah, he's he's got a good he's got a good record. It's just when you put they it. Got in a the damn
1: good, they got a damn good staff and they got a damn good roster, and there's a reason Jerry stayed with him. And I'm not saying he's the greatest thing ever, but I'm just saying like because it's the Cowboys and that spotlight is brighter on that star, I'm not sure who you're gonna replace that's gonna handle it any better because his his personality fits perfect. Because he kind of is the dude behind the scenes while everybody else is in the limelight of that star, including Jerry. Not every coach is going to do that. And they got a hell of a staff. We talk about Rod Marinelli on that defense. If they blow this whole thing up, it's going to be interesting. Uh, but I'm going to be a Jason Garrett supporter to the end. It's, look, some of it's on him. He's the head coach, right? That always is the case. But you look at the overall body of work, it's not that bad, and it's damn sure not as bad as the criticism that he's taken.
0: I'll ask you guys this. What other team in the NFL do we know uh, the first post-game interview we get is from the owner? You guys know any other teams that do that? Hell
1: no. You don't, get it from exactly, a, you don't get it from the GM either.
0: That's exactly right. So my my point being, I I get the Jason Garrett, um, I get the 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 emphasis of Cowboys fans and their anger. You know, your expectations are Super Bowl every year, and he hasn't been in the postseason a, a, a ton, right? He has had and he's had success here and there, and it, but it's not the success that Cowboys fans want. I'm just telling you, there aren't a lot of head coaches in the NFL that are going to deal with Jerry Jones. I'm just telling you, no, it's it, not it, that it, is it not a is- I mean,
1: you almost need a Bill Parcells. He'd be like, F you, Jerry, I'm going to do it anyway. And Jerry can't do nothing about it. Jason Garrett's the polar opposite of that. He's like, okay, Jerry.
0: That's it. And like, he's very- going to go do
1: what he wants to do when he's in his meetings anyway, but he's it's like Marvin Lewis and the Bengals, right? I told you guys the stories of having to meet with the owners and the owner's daughter on Fridays and go over game plans and all the crazy stuff you've got to do in Cincinnati with no scouting department and all that. Marvin's personality was like, cool. It's part of my job. I'll do it. And that's why he stayed for so long. Jason's the same way. I'll take what I got to take from Jerry, and then I'll go do my job. Not everybody's going to do that. And you're talking about some of these young guys, Matt Rule and and Lincoln Riley and some of the names are going to be tossed around for this job. That ain't going to fly. I mean, they're used to dealing with alumni, so maybe it's easier to deal with Jerry too. But, like, these NFL guys, are you trying to bring in anybody with a big name? who? which I don't have a clue who that's going to be at this point.
0: The the thing for me is it is be careful what you wish for Cowboys fans, okay? That's the uh, I will be a, a little warning, be careful what you wish for and know that ego is the big thing in play here because there's not a lot of people that can check their ego at the door and allow for the owner to do what Jerry Jones does. Cuz like I said, think about what happens every every single and I mean every single game. The ESPN broadcasts the owner talking about the football team that does not happen anywhere. Okay. So just think about what it takes from, from if you are Jason Carrot, what, what kind of, what do you have to do for yourself? You have to check your ego at the door. And that is really hard to do when you are one of 32 people that is a head coach in the NFL. And how many, that has
1: won a lot of damn games doing it.
0: That's exactly right. That's a pretty damn hard thing to do. So be oh, and by the way, he has
1: a bunch of rings on his fingers because he played for a long-ass time, too. Jason Garrett is a stand-up dude that handled this whole thing with a ch- ch- ton of class. And I'm telling you right now, there's not an easy job. And whoever they hire, if they fire him, it could, it could go a couple of different ways. Here's something else worth noting in this game, guys. Like, I'm all for Dak getting paid, but Dak is not a $35 million guy. And I'm going to tell you why. There was one throw on fourth down and five from the freaking fourth and goal from the five. He's got Zeke wide open and he's short arms this freaking at the biggest moment of the game. He played good too. He made some throws. I'm like, all right, that's, that's next level stuff. And he played hard too. That's another dude that was like, I'm like, Ooh, he can't keep taking shots like that. He was running guys over and taking shots trying to get first downs. He deserves to get paid, but this is going to be a really interesting situation because he wants to be the top paid dude golf Wentz money. And he's won more games than both. But like that throw alone says, no, you're not a thirty-five million dollar dude. We need you to score right here. This is the easy throw, and you bad footwork and short arm it, and you can't even get it. Like can't even get it to him. Like, if I, make 30, they're gonna have if salary. Make, they're gonna have salary cap issues when as soon as he gets paid, they lose Amari Cooper because somebody's giving him a ton of money.
0: If you make thirty-five million dollars a year, you have to make that throw. Period. That's how I'm gonna end that. That's yeah. You can't. If you're a starting you quarterback
1: can't. in the NFL, you got to make that throw.
0: Damn straight on on fourth on fourth and goal, you gotta be able to make that throw. All right. The last game here we're gonna get into the New Orleans Saints get a victory 26 to 18. That last game on Thanksgiving. Matt Ryan had a tough game, and this one throws a couple of picks and got stiff-armed into, uh, into Mars, okay? That was – I will, I rewatched Matt Ryan getting stiff-armed so many times because I could not stop laughing. It, was one it wasn't of quite as bad
1: as it looked on the replay because when it happened live, we all went, oh, it was like one of those oh, yeah. moments, right? And then you saw Jordan from behind pushed him at the same time the dude stiff-armed him. So it was like it looked so much worse live than it was, but it was still pretty bad.
0: So entertaining to watch, yeah. <laughs> um, but hell, hell of an effort by Matty Ice to get up. And uh, a lot of people were comparing it to, I don't know if you saw last week, there was a, a time at which Jalen Ramsey made a business decision during that game where they're getting their butts blown uh, blown away and uh, Matt Ryan did not. So good on you, Maddie Ice, because you're, uh, you know, that tackle was not going to happen, but good on you for, for making an effort there. Jamie, I'll go to you first, your thoughts on on this game.
2: Well, one that I think we really need to start considering sitting Matt Ryan uh, if on the Atlanta Falcons. You know he's clearly still nursing that ankle injury. He's getting absolutely beat to hell in these games. I mean, nine sacks in this one. Uh, you know he, his personality. He's not going to stop. He's not going to give you anything less than everything he has. He's going to continue to play the game as if he's perfectly healthy even when he's not. Uh, you are going nowhere. He had shown you earlier this season that he's still just as good as quarterback as he has ever been. This is a lost year for you. You really need to consider shutting him down and say, "Hey, look, you know, we're not playing for anything right now. We need you going forward. We still have a pretty talented roster. We can still maybe make a couple. We hit on a couple draft picks, maybe particularly on the defensive side of the ball. Maybe get another running back in there, and all of a sudden, this team could compete for a wild card spot again next year. They need to just." Maybe shut him down, and as fantasy owners, you need to be careful too. Uh, I actually benched him this week uh, in a league that I've owned him and played him every week he's been active. I benched him this week. Uh, I, was not, I was worried about this matchup, especially with Lattimore being back, worried about that injury, worried about Julio Jones not playing, which is what happened here. Uh, just something to kind of monitor for the rest of the season. You know, Freeman came back in, didn't really do much, caught four passes, but only ran for three yards per carry. That's kind of what he's been. This year and kind of when he's been under Dirk Cutter, so that shouldn't be all that unexpected. Uh, Calvin Ridley had a nice game. Russell Gage, as uh, somebody I mentioned on the show as well, is somebody that's getting a little bit more play. Uh, he's been the biggest beneficiary of Sanu being traded and Hooper being injured. Uh, Jaden Graham gets involved. They like him a lot, but Hooper should be back soon, so I don't think Jaden Graham, even after catching the touchdown, is someone that's really fantasy relevant. And on the state side of things, Cook was still involved. You probably got the worst Michael Thomas game of the season at six for forty eight, which is a decent day for most guys. Uh, that's probably his worst game of the year. I've seen and his first
1: drop of- in four hundred and eight days, yeah. twenty two games and like four hundred catches or something crazy. We saw a when, it, when it happened, I went. He just like, it hit him right between the one three, and he just flat dropped it. And then I saw the stat come out, and I was like, yeah. "Oh my god, that's insane." It's-
2: just confirming he still is human after all, um, and I guess the other note that comes out of this game i mean you're not the taste the Taysom Hill stuff has no fantasy relevance you're not you're not doing anything no. with Taysom Hill, but um i I know people have been worried because it's been a long time since Alvin Kamara scored a touchdown he's going to be fine I'm not worried about it at all this was this became kind of a weird game for the passing game late I, I'm not worried about Alvin Kamara at all. are you guys
1: no i t- I told you I think down the stretch I think he he really picks it up he's he's going win. He's going to put somebody fa- fantasy relevance because I think he's going to be a top three guy the rest of the year, uh, especially PPR formats, because they're going to lean on him heavy. They, they This game was out of hand, and it was the freaking worst kicker in the league right now. gets three onside kicks, which I didn't think was even possible to get anymore, other than Alvin Kamara made a business decision on the first one and said, no, I'm not jumping into this pile. And whoever 54 is for the Falcons made all three of those happen. And Matty Ice being Matty Ice... Keeps fighting his ass off and keeps throwing it down there and making it play. Here's what the Falcons need to do, guys. They need to trade Julio Jones's ass to the Patriots, too, next year and put Sanu with him because they weren't that much. There was no difference with him being in there and him not. Ridley looked fine as the number one. They need more help, and they need that $30 million on the salary cap or whatever it is. They're paying him quarterback money. He, he. I, t- I said when they gave him the money, the contract made no sense. There's two more years on it. I get he's a Falcon for life, but I trade him. You got bigger issues. You're gonna have a new coaching staff coming in. You got plenty of weapons. But you need running back help, you need offensive line help, you need defensive help. Matt Ryan is your guy. I, I don't know what you I'm, guys think about I don't know what you guys think I'm, about that, but like if I'm a Falcon fan, I'm like, as hard as that is to say, I'm damn sure looking at it.
0: It's just, it would be a smart football decision, in my opinion. I, I just I can't justify Julio's contract. I know he's one of the best. He's a superstar. He deserved
1: to get paid. It's more of a, totally we paid get- you for the last three or four years. Cause you weren't making that cheddar, but like
0: they just, they forward, can't,
1: they're not missing that. Much. Even if, they, even if Ridley is 85% of, of, of Julio is the number one, they're better off. Cause they need that money to spread around.
0: Yeah, they have too many holes that they need to fix, and it's really hard to do that when you're paying a wide receiver on your team like you would pay a quarterback in the NFL. It's just really hard. Um, yeah, you know, I like I it.
1: like the Saints' game plan in this too. I mean, the Taysom Hill stuff was a little tricky earlier, but that dude is such a freaking athlete, and he's so damn strong. He just made. I mean, that blocked punt was, a, was an individual effort. He's what Tim Tebow should be without the <laughs> yeah. without the media circus, right? Yeah, big, strong football player. Doesn't give a damn if he's on special teams, blocking a punt, covering a kick, running a freaking read option, running a reverse, playing tight end, like, but there's no media circus that goes with it. He just smiles and does his thing, and his teammates love the hell out of him. But he's a football player. Like, has no fantasy relevance, but it was fun. And I liked the game plan. They mixed it up. They got up early, and this game was really out of hand, uh, other than the three onside kicks, where I literally thought were impossible to get now, and they get three in a row. Like, that was that was, that was to me, the most exciting part of the game, because I was literally trying to figure out ways – to do the onside kick anymore, that you have a chance with these new rules, I, they're going to have to look at that in the offseason, By the way, because so many games in the NFL used to come down to, we're going to hit that big high hopper, and there's going to be a big collision. But you got a thirty or forty percent chance of getting this onside kick, where now there's like a three or four percent chance. Yeah. And you can't run at the line of scrimmage, you can't hit the high hopper anymore. You got to go back to this old little, you know, f- f- squibber and hope that it bounces at the right time. But, like, that was that was interesting. I mean, co kicked three that all bounced at the same time, which is really, really hard, by the way. You don't know how that ball is going to bounce. You can practice that all the time. It doesn't really matter. But that was awesome to get three in a row and go, holy crap. They got the two-point conversion. They're down – or they didn't get the two-point conversion. They're down eight, whatever it was. They, this is still a game. So that made it fun. But this was, this was not close. I thought the Saints had a hell of a game plan. They bounced back, and they are still damn good on defense.
0: Yeah, the Taysom Hill stuff I know frustrates people, but it's not going to go away. Like I know everybody wants it to 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 not be a thing, but it's it's going to be a thing because he, like Jake said, um, is exactly what Tebow probably should have done, which is you know check the ego, understand that you are just going to go out there and play football, and you are going to do whatever your team needs you to do, and that's why he's out there, and that's why Sean Payton has him involved in the game plan like he does, and he's going to continue to play a role for this team, and that role is going to be whatever the hell Sean Payton dials up. And that's yeah, I mean, there, it there's a, into it.
1: Cordero, Cordero Patterson, there's a guy yeah. named Joe Webb that played quarterback at UAB that's still playing in league that almost went to the Pro Bowl as a return guy there. But there's not a lot of 6'4", 230-pound guys that run four. four.
0: Yeah,
1: no. You know, and Taysom's not quite that size. But, I mean, Tim Tebow was that 6'2", 240-pound two, dude that ran four or five. that was tough as hell that could be – he could play everywhere, and he was a football player. Tim's problem was he, when we wanted to play quarterback, and the media circus was kind of like the Kaepernick thing in, in reverse – but that's what Taysom Hill is, and you can't have enough of those guys on your football team. From like a football perspective, you gotta whether you figure out how to put him on the field and be tricky or not, the fact that he blocked the punt to start the game, like the Falcons were done. That was an individual effort, spinning backwards, getting blocked, Those a hand out there and blocks the damn punt, and they score a touchdown, boom, 7 nothing on the road.
0: Yeah, he's uh, he just does what he he plays football really hard all the time, and you like guys like that. So, uh, listen, the, we had we had a pretty good day of football on Thanksgiving. Uh, it was an awesome uh, to spend the day just watching football all day long, and we've got uh, quite a good, quite a few good matchups here this weekend. So let's. Kick things off with the first two games are big point spreads, and they're not exactly what I would consider uh, great games. But they are. Um, there are a lot of implications in them, specifically this first one, Green Bay coming off a, just an ass-whooping um, in San Francisco. They are going across the coast. They were in San Francisco. Now they're all the way in New York. They're a seven-point favorite against the New York Giants. Had a couple of tough games. They they really now they need to win these games because they're the Vikings are right there. The Bears are winning football games. They need to take care of business against a bad football team. Jamie, what do you see happening in this one?
2: This this is a tough one for me because not that I think that the Giants are on their level, but that this is a tough travel for them. It's going to be a rainy day. It looks like at the Meadowlands. The wind is going to be okay, so that that's going to be that shouldn't affect Aaron Rodgers too much. But I. I'm going to lean towards them covering, but this is not a game that's going to be as easy as it maybe looks uh, on paper for them. They still the Packers still have to find we've been talking about it all year, but still have to find another reliable option for him be, for Aaron Rodgers behind Devontae Adams. It's been a problem for them. And yes, Jamal Williams has been really strong in the passing game. There've been certain games where Aaron Jones has shown improvement in the passing game. But when Aaron Rodgers has to drop back and throw the ball to somebody and they don't it's not one of his backs, and it's not Devontae Adams, nobody is stepping up. And at some point if you're going to need to find a secondary option on this team. But I expect both running backs to have decent games here in the passing game. Aaron Jones should bounce back. He's kind of been up and down this year. You kind of know the story if you've owned him. He has his monster games, and he has these kind of seven or eight or nine-point games. I think this could be uh, another monster game for him because I don't think the Giants really have anybody that can cover him or Jamal Williams effectively out of the backfield. So I expect big games from both backs. On the Giants side of things – uh, I really like Sterling Shepard as a play this week because I don't think Golden Tate's going to play, move Sterling Shepard back into the slot where even in the small sample size of this season, he's been two and a half fantasy points better per game when he's been in the slot versus when he's been outside with Golden Tate on the field. He's been a much better player in the slot over his career. I think he's a sneaky play here. I don't think Evan Ingram's going to play in this game either, so if you're going to continue to need to find another option for him. And I don't know what to do with Saquon. I'll be perfectly honest with you. Like, I think I ranked him as a high end RB2, and I, I just because of the name value and the fact that he's going to get the volume, but I don't feel great about it.
1: Yeah, look, you can run it on the Packers, so I feel okay about it, but Saquon's not healthy. He's another guy that's out there being, he's a superstar that's toughing it out, that's not being a damn diva, uh, which I love. But with some of these guys, they're almost doing really a detriment to themselves, like you were talking about with Matt Ryan. I'm going to take the Packers to cover 31 23. I don't love it either, but the Giants are so limited. They can only do one or the other on defense. James Vetcher's done a really nice job, uh, whether it's stopping the run and giving up the pass or giving up the pass and stopping the, you know, the, the other way because he's only can do so much. I mean, they're limited on what they can do on defense. Jabro Pepper's having a nice solid year. Marcus Golden, seven and a half sacks. I mean, the junkyard dog we used to call him. He's just a high energy motor guy that just gets it done, fits in that defense. So he's getting after him. He'll get after Aaron Rodgers pretty good, but I, I think the Packers just have too much. So the Packers aren't winning this division. They showed me enough now that I've watched the repeat of that game with the Chargers and then watching it again with the 49ers. I don't think they're beating the Vikings the next time they play them. The Vikings had a couple big games coming up, but I don't, I don't know. I think they got enough to get this done. Uh, Danny Dimes still turning it over, and this Packers defense has been solid. But like Jamie said last week, they played really good the first three weeks of the season and been extremely overrated since. I'll take them to cover by one, but I don't love it.
0: If they don't cover this game, just just watch Packers Twitter just lose their minds. Yeah, you know, it's, it's, it's
1: setting up for the Packers at the Cowboys. A wild card weekend.
0: Yeah, no, it's it. I if the Packers fancy themselves, the 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 team that they think that they are this is a this is a game that doesn't matter what the weather conditions are or whatever you have to go take you have to just win this game easily um and and we'll see uh they got a lot to prove after a, just an ass whooping like i said last week uh the washington redskins going on the road to play the carolina panthers the panthers are a 10 point favorite at home i said a couple of big spreads here this one's a big one uh jake i'll let you take this one first what do you see happening here
1: uh, I don't like it when I get to 10, but the Panthers uh, are solid, and the Skins suck, and the Panthers are good at home. I'm going go to go 30-17. Uh, McCaffrey goes off. Moore has a solid day. Uh, Kyle Allen may be a sneaky play in this one. The Redskins' defense has been okay statistically, but the Panthers' defense is still up there. They're not leading the league in sacks anymore. They're top three still. Dwayne Haskins is going to be in for one. I think, they, I, think they, I think they cover the 10 pretty easy. I don't think the skins can score more than seventeen. I think the panthers they're going to gonna be really struggle to keep them under twenty seven. So, uh, I, I think McCaffrey has a monster day as he's been doing, and they win pretty easily.
2: Yeah, I agree with wholeheartedly with that. I think Cushman McCaffrey finishes as the number one overall fantasy player. DJ Moore's wide receiver one. Uh, I really like this matchup for Carolina. They're a solid team. They may not be a great team, but they're a solid team. They do a lot of things well. Uh, they have a very, they have a really, really good defense that nobody talks enough about. That's going to make Dwayne Haskins already tough life in the NFL uh, even tougher for him. Uh, I can't see the Redskins doing really anything offensively against the Carolina Panthers here on the road. Uh, I expect the Panthers to blow them out. This should be a, a three-score game. Uh, I'm going to take the Panthers here. And get love DJ Moore this week. Love Christian McCaffrey this week. Curtis Samuel, I think, is still too risky. He hasn't been any, as much involved in the offense. Greg Olson is a low-end tight end one. Uh, but that those are pretty much where it ends. But I have the Carolina Panthers defense as my number one defense going into the week. So they were available in a lot of wheat leagues. So I would start them this week over everybody else. Here's a headline to
1: watch out for, guys. You know, there's new, new ownership in Carolina. We've talked about what they want to do. There's been rumblings about what's going to happen with Ron Rivera. If you're Jerry Jones and you do fire Jason Garrett, Ron Rivera better be on the first damn G4 to Dallas, and you better not let anybody else in the building, and you better not let his ass out of town. Because You're talking about a well-coached team. Yeah. The Carolina Panthers point. are always solid as hell. You're talking about a guy with no ego. It ain't about Ron. It's about this team. A player gets it. Instant credibility in the locker room. I don't think Carolina's going to be dumb enough to let him go. But if that happens, Jerry, throw some money at his ass and don't let him leave. Because, look, you're talking about he's put out defensive coordinator after defensive coordinator after defensive coordinator, coordinator, and it all comes from him. He's going to bring North Turner back to town if North wants to keep coaching. Uh, like, there's a headline for you. It just kind of hit me as we were talking about this because I don't know how the Panthers are going to finish, but I think they're going to be too solid to fire him. But if he comes available, there's your there's your superstar that could handle the ego and, and, and Jerry doing his thing. Because Ron, I, I like him as a person a lot, yeah, super Ron nice. And his able. wife were phenomenal but I have a ton of respect for him as a coach. That is always a well-coached team. It's exactly what we're seeing McDermott right now. The Bills don't beat themselves. The Panthers never beat themselves. Cam might get a a little squirrely and beat beat them at times, but they always play super solid, and that defense always works. It always comes from him. That one would be like, hell, if I'm Jerry, I might even trade for his ass at this point.
0: (laughs) I'm serious. I I mean, that makes
1: that much sense to me.
0: No, it would it would make a lot of sense. There's a lot of a lot of things that could happen, but that's a good forecast there because I could see that it would definitely be a good thing for the Dallas Cowboys. I don't know about the Carolina Panthers, but it would be it would definitely be a good thing for the Dallas Cowboys um, if if the Panthers decide to move on from Ron Rivera. All right, the this is this should be the night game. It's not, um, but it's it. Hopefully, it turns out to be a hell of a morning game uh, here on the on the West Coast. It's the San Francisco Forty Nine ers going on the road to play the Baltimore Ravens. The Niners obviously feeling themselves after a great Sunday night football victory for them. The Baltimore Ravens took care of business on Monday night football, and now we've got these two teams facing off against each other. Number one defense, number one offense. Uh, Baltimore Ravens are six point favorites Ooh. at home. Yeah, pretty. I was a little surprised by that as well. Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. What do you see happening here?
2: It's a little high, but I'm still going to go with it. Uh, I'm all in on the Ravens' train here for this game for a couple reasons. One, I just, I don't, I'm really, really excited to see a lot of these matchups because I know everybody's talking about, you know, Lamar Jackson and that Ravens rushing attack versus the number one, you know, defense of San Francisco. But for me, flip that over, it's just as interesting to me and watching. You know, Kyle Shanahan's offense scheme up against a Ravens defense has been damn good for many years now, and has two really strong cornerbacks and a great secondary playing. That's exciting to me as well. So, this is going to be an interesting game. I always give a little, a slight boost. Uh, to the to the opposing team when the team from the West Coast has to go all the way east for an eleven a.m. start time, that's a, a deciding factor. But it gets a little bit of a check mark um, in the Ravens' box. I just think that if I'm looking at this game as a whole, I think if you want to say this, again, this might be oversimplistic, but if you want to say Baltimore's offense and San Francisco's defense cancel each other out, uh, I think that Baltimore's defense is a, more, a bigger asset to the Ravens right now than San Francisco's offense has been. Uh, and, it's, and so, to me, I'm going to think I believe the Baltimore Ravens are a little bit more complete team at the moment. This is going to be an awesome game. This line should be more like four and not six, but uh, I'm going to go with the Ravens to cover here. I'm not shying away from Lamar Jackson in fantasy or in DFS. I mean, you're not shying away from him in, in season long leagues, but I wouldn't shy away from him in DFS as well. I'll take my chances against this defense, the way he's been able to run the ball and all the fantasy points that you get from that aspect of the game that is such. That again, fair or unfair, I know we've talked about this on the show last year, has a greater impact on where quarterbacks rank at the end of season than passing yards by a significant amount, uh, which is why we've seen guys like Josh Allen and Lamar Jackson finish where they have before. Uh, I think he's somebody you shouldn't shy away from. Uh, Mark Ingram could have another decent game here. But again, keep in mind, the volume is typically not going to be there. I'll continue shouting that. Uh, I don't like any Ravens pass catcher in this game. I'm staying away. And on San Francisco side of things, there's a lot of question marks right now. I mean, Debo Samuel's been really good, but he's got a, he's got the toughest matchup he's gonna face this year. Emmanuel Sanders still looks like he's battling through some things and he's been hurt, so he's not hundred uh, percent. you're obviously playing Kittle every chance you get, but the Niners running backs have been inconsistent as well. I mean, they're as a team running the ball well, but they're splitting a lot of carries. Tevin Coleman hasn't always looked great. Raheem Mostert hasn't always looked great. Uh, so it, collectively, they've been good. But fantasy-wise, they're more like low-end RB2s, flex plays. So this is going to be a weird game where I think it's extremely exciting, but there's going to be a very limited amount of fantasy value, at least that we know is trustable going in.
1: Jamie, it's great analysis. I mean, look, we're going to play off game in Week 13, period. Uh, I've got it 24-20 Ravens, so I don't have them covering that. I got it exactly what you said the line should be, 20, I think 4 they get one one pass to home field advantage. This is really even. I think six is is up there. Uh, look, this is a microcosm of the 49er season. It's going to come down to Garoppolo making plays with his arm. He's going to have to do it against a really good secondary that I've been talking about for weeks. It's finally healthy. Marlon Humphreys, superstar. But Jimmy Smith, the Marcus Peters trade, Earl Thomas still, still getting it done. They don't rush the passer great. Both of these teams give up a little bit on the run. Uh, Lamar Jackson is going to have to do this one with his legs to win this game. I don't think he's going to be able to make enough plays against that secondary and the number one pass defense in San Francisco with his arm. But that's where from a fantasy point of view, that's why Jamie loves this because the one thing that really skews everything in all of fantasy is quarterback run yards. And there's nobody ever been anybody better in the NFL. I'm going to go ahead and give him that title. Now of running the football at quarterback. Um, I, I don't love it, but I am so, 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 so interested to see what the 49ers want to do on defense is I want to see somebody come in and go heavy with speed on the field to stop the run, the read option. And they got really fast defensive ends. They got really fast linebackers. They got Richard Sherman's maybe one of the best tackling corners in the history of the NFL. Cause he's up in that conversation as one of the greatest ever, but he doesn't get anywhere near enough credit for being the tackler that he is. He sets the edge from a cornerback point of view as good as anybody's ever done it. Uh, so I'm so interested to see what they want to do there. I'm really interested to see what, what Kyle Shanahan is going to do on offense. Jamie alluded to it. I think the Niners are going to want to c- come out and hit them in the mouth. You can run it on Baltimore a little bit. Uh, they don't rush the passer as well as they have the pass because they blitz a ton. So are they going to have a bunch of run blitzes? And is Kyle going to throw that throw check in there and try to hit him in the mouth? I mean, this is going to be almost like a Steelers-Ravens bloodbath, and both teams are not going to want to play next week after they get done. I, I'm so excited for this game. I hate that yeah. it's at one o'clock because I'm gonna be watching the bucks go trying to go back and forth, uh but man, this is this is the game of the year so far, and we're gonna play off game of week thirteen
0: yeah the the coaching staffs really put this elevate this game right you you there's a lot to learn from what we've seen from Kyle Shanahan and what we're gonna see and continue to see from John Harbaugh and the adjustments that are made and I, I think this sets up to be a really, really good football game, so I'm really excited to watch that one. The Tennessee Titans going on the road to play the Indianapolis Colts. The Colts are a two and a half point favorite at home. Jake, I'll let you take this one first. What do you see happening here?
1: I got the Colts 27 23, uh, so I got them covering that. Uh, they're good at home. I, I keep talking about their, their front seven stingy. You don't run it on them great. The Titans still give up too much on defense. Uh, T.Y. Hilton should be a little bit healthier with a little bit extra rest, although they said he had a setback and is out, so that's. That kills that analysis. He's going to come back eventually. I can't believe this that setback ha- happened because I was expecting him to come back and really be a big part of this offense when he looked so bad last week, but he was out there. Another guy that's non but that's fighting through it, right? Um, the Titans, I don't. they're definitely going to keep it close. I don't think they're going to run it great, which I think makes it a really solid play for Tannehill. Jamie talked about it was like the shocking stat of the week last week or the third most uh, quarterback fantasy points since he's played and he's four and one. But I just think the Colts are better. The Colts are solid. It's like, kind of the same analysis of them going on the road last week in Houston. I didn't think they had enough pieces to get it done, but them being at home, I, the Titans aren't the Texans. I think they have enough to get it done. I think they cover that.
2: Uh, see, it's interesting. I'm going to go the opposite way. This is actually one of my locks of the week it's the Titans plus two and a half. Uh, I, I, it's just a gut feeling. I love everything about this game for Tennessee. The Colts, I think, are going to struggle to score. Uh, I, although you can run on them a little bit, uh, you know, Jonathan Williams still isn't what Marlon Mack was. No T.Y. Hilton in this game, no Eric Ebron in this game. Uh, Ooh, Jordan I didn't know was Ebron at, was out. Yeah, Ebron's on IR now. Um, so there's a lot of, like, they're lacking a lot of weapons. I mean, Zach Pascal has not been involved in this offense. I mean, Jack Doyle is going to be out there, but he's, you know, he's a solid guy, but he's not a game changer. You know, they, they don't have, I don't, to me, Jonathan Williams is going to have to have another, like, 130 yard game on the ground. Uh, for the Colts to win this, I love the way Tannehill's been playing. As Jake alluded to, again, only when he's played, Matthew Stafford and Lamar Jackson have averaged more fantasy points per game since Tannehill took over as a starter. You're not going to run well on the Colts, but the, t- the Titans won't abandon it either. So this is not going to be a huge game for Derrick Henry. But if they get, they'll be able to get the ball in the red zone, and still Derrick Henry is a load to take down when you get him inside the ten. Uh, I think the Titans are going to. I think the Titans are feeling themselves right now. They have offensive confidence. And to me, just the limited weapons that the Colts have right now is going to be the thing that hurts them. Uh, I'm going to take the Titans in the two and a half points here, and yeah, hopefully, that's a, that's can a great really point,
1: Jamie. That's a great point. I mean, without Ebron, they are extremely limited to what they have. I'll, I'll still stick with mine because I just I think they outcoach them a little bit. Uh, some stuff came across the wire too. Evan Ingram is out for this weekend. Okay, going right. back to that uh, yep. that Giants game, so.
0: Okay, thanks for the update. All right, the Philadelphia Eagles can sniff the top of this division with the Dallas loss. Listen, these two teams, neither one really deserves to be in the postseason at this point, but one of them is going to end up there. And this is a huge opportunity for Philadelphia because they're going on their own to play the Miami Dolphins and should be able to take care of business. They're a big favorite here. They're a 10-point favorite on the road. Uh, Jake, I'll let you take this one first. You see Philadelphia taking care of business and covering that spread.
1: I see him taking care of business, but not covering the spread. I got 31-24. I mean, the Dolphins are playing too hard. The Eagles are too limited. Uh, I think Wentz has a solid day because you can throw it on the Dolphins, whether, whoever's out there. Uh, I mean, Peterson's alluding to Aguilar and Jeffrey looked good to play, but he said the same thing last Friday. Uh, so who knows? Uh, I think Wentz has a solid day. Uh, I think Ertz has a solid day. Their defense is getting healthy, so their defense is playing better. So that worries me a little bit about the, from the Dolphins, but I think Parker gets his uh, uh Fitzpadgett doesn't really care. He's, he's going to sling it no matter how they're going. Uh, the Eagles' defense is funny because we talked about it a couple weeks ago. Jamie picked them up in one league. I picked them up in another. Uh, their defense is really solid play all the way till they get to Dallas in week 16. Uh, I think the Eagles' defense from a fantasy point of view could be pretty good here. I don't love the fact that I'm not taking the 10, but, man, you get the 10 and it scares me, and the Dolphins are just playing too hard. I'm going to give them some credit that I don't think they'll, uh, they'll cover the 10.
2: Yeah, this one, this one, I went back and forth on because I don't. I'm going to pick the Eagles here, but it, I don't. They don't deserve to be double-digit point favorites over anybody, right? That's now. That's kind of right how I feel. Uh, but m- my hope here is that they're going to get Jeffrey back. They're going to get Aguilar back. Uh, I'm hoping now again something to keep an eye on. Uh, Zach Ertz missed practice on Wednesday. Uh, and they didn't practice on Thursday, but they said he would have missed Thursday practice with a hamstring injury. So this is something that might come down to a game-time decision. Really watch out for that. Uh, Dallas Scott would be an amazing fill-in for you uh, if he can't go, but just something to keep an eye on if you're a Zach Ertz owner. Uh, but let us I'm just going to say all those guys come back. I don't think Howard's going to play. I don't think Jordan Howard's clear for contact still. So they've been downplaying this injury for a while, and he still isn't clear for contact. So that's thats scary. that That stinger that he suffered is – uh, I don't know if they said it was a stinger or a concussion. They don't, they've don't. kind of gone back and forth on that. But whatever it is, it's, it's a much scarier injury than I think they've alluded to, considering he still hasn't been cleared for contact yet. Uh, I think the Eagles defense is – I believe they have the ranked number two or number three this week among all defenses. On You can check that out on, on the thedraftnetwork.com in the fantasy section. I like them as a play this week. I'm just hoping that the Eagles see this opportunity that they have to, to tie the Cowboys atop the division – it's going to be a beautiful day. There's going to be a lot of bad weather around the NFL. It's going to be sunny and 80 degrees at kickoff for this <laughs> game. They have no excuses that they should not be able to go into Miami and beat a team that isn't clearly inferior to them when they have every reason in the world to win this game and blow their doors off and say, you know what? It doesn't matter all the, the talk that's been happening. It doesn't matter all the, the, the murmurs about Carson Wentz. None of it matters. We're going to blow out the Dolphins. We now have, and then at that point, you have the the dreaded but true phrase of "they control their own destiny because they play the Cowboys in Week 16." You win yeah. this game, and you control whether or not you win this division or
1: not. There's nothing better from the Eagles' point of view either. That the, that this, literally, I was I tweeted last night jokingly, and apparently some people didn't get the joke that I'm in that I'm in Texas and I'm worried about the sky actually falling. If the Eagles go put up 35 and blow out the Dolphins, even though it's the Dolphins. It's gonna make it that much worse in Texas, right? For, for the Cowboys, And there's nothing better from an Eagles' point of view than pissed off Cowboys fans, and then you rub it in their face a little bit. And there's nothing better for the players either. So yeah. Jay- Jamie alluded to. I mean, you, when you control your own destiny, and you feel like you feel it there, and you got to go put it on the field. They get all those guys back. I like the fact that they could, but you got to give this this freaking Dolphins team credit. I Man, they got like nobody left, and they're playing their asses off for Brian Flores.
0: Carson Wentz, go shut those people in Philadelphia. Up. That's all I gotta say. Yeah, uh, I'm playing him. I'm playing yeah. him
1: this week. I'm, I'm riding. Good. He's got some good matchups, but it starts this week, and he's got a bruised finger too. And it's a bruised pointer finger, which from a quarterback point of view, not good. But he's tough as hell. I, I think he gets. I think he has a big day and bounces back and shuts some people up for at least a week.
0: Yeah, good opportunity for him on the road. Uh, The Tampa Bay Buccaneers going on the road to play the Jacksonville Jaguars. Not far uh, on the road. They're staying in Florida. The Bucs are a a one-and-a-half point favorite here. Jamie, what do you see happening in this game?
2: All right, so we'll get the line thing right out of the way so we can just talk football with Jake here. I'll take the Bucs minus one-and-a-half here. So uh, as we're doing fantasy-wise – uh, I absolutely positively love Ronald Jones this week. You can, uh, I could run on the ban- on the Jags. Everybody can run on the Jags. Everyone has run on the Jags. Uh, for those of you that maybe have been off the Ronald Jones bandwagon for the last couple games, I throw him right back in. He's a legit RB two this week. I'm a huge fan of his. I think he's gonna have a good game. I think if you're in a really really deep league, I think there's even some value for Peyton Barber as well because he's gonna get some touches. He's gonna get some carries, and maybe even gets. Gets it on a drive near the goal line. Uh, as far as, I mean, look, at this week, you're starting. I, I mean, Jameis Winston's a legit QB1 in fantasy at this point. I mean, unless you have one of those elite options, you're probably starting them every week. That's probably not any other advice I can give you for that. Uh, you're starting their star receivers in Tampa Bay as well, avoiding the tight end situation like the plague there. On Jacksonville's side of things, it's a really tough matchup for Leonard Fournette. I mean, you're, you're not benching him, but you're – I know that he's
1: getting a ton of catches, right? He yeah. had like nine catches last week. They, they yeah. Foles has come in. They made him a huge – so in full-point PPRs, he's not getting a lot of rushing yards, but he's getting a ton of – got like, not, that, that's that's a huge play there that they finally use him that way. But it takes away from some of the other guys you're about to talk about.
2: No, absolutely it does. But that, that that's what you're looking for there. Like, evaluate him like you would a normal like Devonta Freeman game. You know where he's going to get maybe 50 yards on the ground, but he's going to be used heavily in the passing game. You know the Bucs secondary you have been able to attack, so you've got DJ Chark, you've got you've got all these weapons there. Uh, I think the you're starting Chark if you have him, but if you're looking for a secondary option, I kind of like Chris Conley uh, as that secondary option uh, over D.D. Westbrook this week. He's been a guy that's been heavily targeted. He's been their deep threat with Nick Foles. They've been trying to target him deep down the field. So if you're kind of looking for more of a boom play, he's the guy that. They've been running down the field but still given seven or eight targets a game. I think he has at least seven or eight targets in five straight games, including both games with Nick Foles. So he's someone to kind of keep an eye on. And to me, Nick Foles is the guy that's hanging around the bottom of QB1 territory this week where he hasn't been looking all that great from a real-life perspective so far. But from a fantasy perspective, they're slinging it with him, and he's been okay. It's a good matchup for him. Uh, He's someone that I've been making the choice. I benched Matt Ryan in one league this week. And I'm going to try and decide whether I want to play Nick Foles in that spot or play a guy like Carson Wentz in that spot. So those have been the decisions I've had to make.
1: I'll help you with that. I'd play Carson Wentz in that spot. I see the Jaguars a lot like I see Matt Ryan last week against this, this young Bucks defense. Todd Bowles finally kind of gets to the point where he can do what he wants to do, and that's blitz a lot. And Devin White looks like a freak like he shot out of a cannon flying all over the place. But these young secondary guys are playing their tails off. They drafted some tall, long-armed guys and Sean Murphy, Bunning, and Jamel Dean And you got to give Jamel Dean a huge shout-out here. He's number two now in the NFL, tied number two in pass breakups, okay? He's had one start. He's played 168 snaps and has 13 pass breakups, including five last week. The next closest guy that he's tied with is in the 600s. 600s. He's 500 snaps away and has one less pass breakup for to be leading the NFL. Like His kids come off injury, come out of Auburn with two torn ACLs, or it would have been a first-round pick. Uh, but these young guys are playing really, really good man-to-man defense. I see this a lot like last week when they had Julio and they had Ridley, and this young, this young defense really kind of shut them down. I think they're going to get after Foles. I think Foles has a solid day. I mean, Matt Ryan still had a solid day last week. Uh, but we'll see. I love the Ronald Jones play. Uh, sooner or later, he's going to hit a monster. He's going to be a or 70 or 80-yarder. He's been close a bunch of times, but it's going to happen sooner or later. I'm not saying it's going to happen this week, but it's happened on the Jag some. Uh, but that was good analysis, Jamie. I mean, I, I liked everything you had to say. I mean, Chark, I think, gets his because they're going to throw it a ton. Their game plan can't be we're going to stick with Fournette and run it because you haven't run it, and the, and the Bucs, even though they're better, are still the 30-second pass defense in the league.
0: All right, the New York Jets have played better football as of late, and they're playing a football team that hasn't been able to sneak out a victory yet. That is the New York Jets going on the road to play the Cincinnati Bengals. The Jets are a three-and-a-half-point favorite. Jake, I'll let you take this one first. What do you see happening in this uh, game that I will probably watch very little of?
1: I got the Jets covering 30-23. to 23. Uh, The Jets are the only team in the league to have three straight wins at 34 points. Right. I don't care who you're playing. That's impressive. They're playing better. Uh, Sam Darnold been really, really good. Uh, Robbie Anderson getting back in the fold. Crowder's been great. I, th- I think that all continues. There's one thing here though. If you look at the Bengals, right, Boyd has been really solid in AJ Green's absence, and I haven't looked to see what the latest is today. But AJ Green might play this week, and if Auden Tate is back, and AJ Green plays, and Tyler Boyd plays, and they've been giving it to mix in 18, 20 times a game. By the way, Andy Dalton, who should have never been benched, is back at quarterback. That's a sneaky damn good offense if they're all out there. Like, I'm really interested to see what happens there. The Jets' defense has been up and down. If that all comes to fruition, I can see the Bengals keeping this close. I mean, I still think the Jets cover three and a half uh, because I don't think all of those things are going to come to fruition. And the Bengals' defense sucks, and the Jets' offense has been really good. But, like, this could be a fun, high-flying game if all those guys are in there and, and some of that stuff actually happens.
2: Yeah, I agree. And actually, this is another one of my gut calls. I'm going to take the Bengals to cover here. I think the Bengals have a legit chance to win this football game and finally get get that big goose egg off their record. There's a couple of reasons why. The biggest one is Andy Dalton's back, as you mentioned. I mean, look, he should never have been benched in the first place. This was, we know why he was benched. And I guess I could semi understand the, the logic if I twist my head around it. But uh, he's back in this game. I'm not sure if AJ Green's going to play or not. I'm not relying on him. But Tyler Boyd is going to be a much better option with him out there. Auden Tate was a guy that was getting eight, nine, ten targets a game with Andy Dalton out there, and I believe got a total of fifteen in three games from Ryan Fidley. So he was doing that in like six quarters with Andy Dalton. So he becomes a really interesting deep sleeper option in fantasy. You know, even Eifert becomes a guy that if you need a just a boomer bust, you know, outside the top fifteen tight ends, he's a guy that could be that. Uh, the Jets and Sam Donald have struggled on the road, so. The Jets' defense – I'm going to try to pull up the stat here for you. That I, I, I'm sorry I didn't have it up already. But pull it up because I'm
1: going to throw this one out there while you're waiting. It's passing
2: defense. So go for it, Jake.
1: You, you go back to this Bengals team who put up almost 500 yards in Seattle in the opener and Andy Dalton threw for over 400. That was without A.J. Green too. Like this, this offense can be sneaky good and Andy Dalton can get sneaky hot. And this Jets' defense is not – and Seattle's not a world beaters, but they're, the Jets aren't Seattle's defense. So you go yeah. back and look at those early games. They were pretty damn good when Andy Dalton was in there.
2: Yeah, they absolutely were. I'm so sorry. I still got to uh, – because I got a sign this. Looking. This was on full-time. But uh, give me one second. Here. But I want to talk about like, look, Sam Darnold struggled on the road relatively throughout his entire career. He's been – he's turned the ball over a ton uh, in those scenarios. So that's just something that you kind of have to keep in mind. Uh, and, and here was a stat so far. So if you look at the Jets' defense so far this year, particularly against fantasy QBs, they kind of rank in the middle of the league. But they've been really bad on the road lately. In their last three road games, they've allowed a combined 781 passing yards and eight passing touchdowns to Gardner Minshew, Ryan Fitzpatrick, and Dwayne Haskins. Yikes. Wow. So if those guys are putting up 800 yards and eight passing touchdowns in three games against them, Andy Dalton is a much more competent quarterback with a lot more weapons than those guys. That scares me. I think this Jets defense can be exposed, and I think that the Bengals have a legitimate chance of winning this game with or without A.J. Green. I'm going to take the three-and-a-half points here.
0: All right. I'm going like take I like it too I think it could be more interesting than uh, than I expected to be all right the I, what game I know will be interesting because of all the implications and all the uh shenanigans that happened on primetime not that long ago the Cleveland Browns are going on the road to play the Pittsburgh Steelers a big divisional game as we've t- talked about uh, they are two and a half favorites on the road. This would be a sweep of the Pittsburgh Steelers. This would be a huge deal for Baker Mayfield and company. It is a victory that they need. Uh, they need to continue as they will not catch that Baltimore Ravens team in their division. They're going to hope to make the postseason in a wild card spot and need to continue to win football games. Uh, the Pittsburgh Steelers are down to third-string quarterback play. They've got a lot of injuries that they're dealing with. And, listen, even even though they take care of business usually at home, especially against this team, this is not the usual team that we are seeing here. So, Jake, I know you know this matchup well. What's going to happen here?
1: I'm going to take the Browns to cover it and sweep. Uh, look, the, 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 the Steelers aren't down to their third quarterback. They're choosing their third quarterback over their backup. I don't, know how that's a, I don't know how that's an upgrade, and they are dealing with a bunch of injuries still. Uh, the Browns are so much better on paper. The Steelers' defense has been great from a fantasy point of view, and I can see them getting some turnovers to keep them in this for a little bit, but I'm going to take the Browns 24-20 to sweep them and go on the road and hit Big Brother in the mouth again and win. The Steelers are going to be fired up. This crowd is going to be crazy. This atmosphere is going to be awesome for this game because of all the crap that happened last time. But sooner or later, the players got to go out and play. And I just think the Steelers are so limited on what they can do that the Browns are so much more talented, they get it done on the road.
2: Yeah, I agree. This this is why this is going to be my second lock of the week. The Browns have to survive the first five minutes of this game, which is going to be, given everything the way the game ended a couple weeks ago, is going to be a complete, just for lack of a better phrase, a complete shit show for them. So they're going to have to survive yeah, the emotion. Yeah, this is one of those
1: you win the toss and defer.
2: Yes, survive the emotion Give Devlin Hodges the ball so we can turn it over and, or on three downs, and then you can go back and everybody can calm down and we can play this game. Look, I, as much as I like what Benny Snell, and I think he's a sneaky play this week, has given them because they have something at least they can run the ball with, they're still probably not going to have James Conner. Juju's not going to play in this game. You are down to Devlin Hodges, a quarterback, It's and as your best option. You down your starting center because he got suspended because of the actions that happened in the last game. Like they're just so they're just not enough weapons on this Pittsburgh offense. I just can't see how they put up enough points, even as good as the Steelers' defense has played and as opportunistic as they've been. Michael Fitzpatrick in particular, TJ Watt in particular, those guys. Uh, I just can't see how Pittsburgh can put up enough points in this game to hang with Cleveland's offense, who has plenty of weapons: Jarvis Landry, Odell Beckham, Kareem Hunt, Nick Chubb. They're going to get theirs, and I just can't see how Pittsburgh gets off the mat to respond. Um, the, I'm not playing Baker Mayfield this week from a fantasy QB perspective. I just think there are better options out there. I have him down outside of my top 15 quarterbacks. He might have an okay game, but there'll be better options out there for you. Uh, Nick Chubb's obviously a must start every week. S- same thing with Jarvis Landry, who I've ranked above Odell Beckham again. I just, Jarvis Landry is just getting so many targets. Kareem Hunt's a guy that I have him a little bit lower this week than I have in previous weeks, but he's still somebody you consider in flex territory. On the Steelers' side of things, Benny Snell, again, another flex play for you in, could be in consideration. I'm not super high on Johnson or Washington in this matchup or McDonald. Like, There's very little fantasy relevance on the Pittsburgh side. So to me, again, the key to this game is can Cleveland survive the first few minutes of this game and then just let their talent win out, which they absolutely should.
0: Yeah, really should fun
2: matchup within the it.
1: matchup here is Devin Bush, the rookie linebacker for the Steelers, covering Kareem Hunt and making plays on Nick Chubb in the hole. Like that, that's going to be a fun game within the game of watching this Steelers defense. Uh, But Devin Bush has been freaking awesome for them all year. And that's going to be a really fun one to see how he plays because he's going to have to play really well for that defense to have a chance.
0: Well, Browns fans will be very happy, and it would be an early Christmas gift to themselves if they can take care of the Pittsburgh Steelers twice in one season, which would be a huge thing for their fan base and for them moving forward. Uh, Staying with good divisional matchups, the Oakland Raiders and Kansas City, who every time they match up, it gets a little nasty between these two teams. Oakland is going on the road to play the Kansas City Chiefs. A big spread here. The Chiefs are a 10-point favorite at home in Arrowhead. The Raiders obviously laid an egg last week, and Kansas City needs to continue to really put it together because they've slipped up early and they need, they've need. they lost a few games at home and they cannot afford to lose this one, that is for sure. Jamie, I'll let you take this one first. What do you see happening here, and do you see Kansas City covering that big spread?
2: It- it's an overreaction to last week. I'm going to pick them to cover. I know I keep saying that because it's like I don't feel great about it, but it's an overreaction. I don't think they should be ten point favorites here. I think the Raiders have proven that they're, you know, they're not as bad. They're they're solid. They're not great, but they're solid. They don't deserve to be this this big. But here's my concern: it, it's they caught a little bit of a break. Oakland did because they the bad weather is happening in Kansas City as we speak and into tomorrow. Uh, that it looks like it's actually going to be a clear weather game, hanging around upper 30s, around 40 degrees. We all know what we saw the stat a million times about their car in the cold, um, and that's become a storyline. But to me, just KC has too much firepower right now. Tyreek Hill appears to be healthy and off the injury report. He's going to be out there. I just feel like this is the game where Kansas City finally starts to be like, okay – we're a premier team in the AFC as well. We're getting a little bit healthier. Our, off, you know, Patrick Mahomes looks a little bit healthier. Tyreek Hill looks a little bit healthier. We're going to go out there. The one thing to keep an eye on is that Damian Williams is probably not going to play. He missed practice each of the last two days. We, I don't. We'll see what happens with his practice on Friday. He missed some time. Uh, they signed Eli Mcguire to the practice squad, but that's only significant in the fact that this might be a multi week thing for Damian Williams. If you're trying to navigate the Kansas City running back situation, one, I'm sorry, and two, I don't really know what to tell you other than they're not going to give Lashawn McCoy all of the carries. They've been very careful to limit his workload somewhat. I know everybody wants Darwin Thompson to be a thing this year because of his explosiveness, but they really trust Daryl Williams. Uh, if I had to play a Kansas City back this week, I think it actually would be Daryl Williams, uh, but none of them are inside my top 35 running backs this week. Harry Kilson must start, as you as you guys already know. But for some reason, like let's say that hamstring or whatever tightens up on him, uh, if he doesn't go, I think Mikael Hardman's a must start because he's the one that's getting all the snaps when Tyree Hill went out of the game the week prior. On Oakland's side, you're playing; it's a good matchup for Josh Jacobs, but you got to hope he takes advantage, and you got to hope that they don't get so far behind that they can't stick with him in that matchup, and it just becomes a Jalen Richard game in the second half. Uh, and this is finally the week I'm kind I'm I'm not playing Tyler Williams this week. I don't have him in my top 35. I know the matchup looks juicy, but. He's still a little bit banged up. He's been dealing with that toe, that foot injury all year. And, look, he's just not as huge of a part of the offense as he was earlier in the season, even though they don't have a ton of weapons. I would just be wary of starting any Raiders player in this matchup.
1: I kind of like Waller being a sneaky because he hasn't been a part of it and exactly what you're talking about with Tyrell Williams being banged up. Look, this is the measuring stick for the Raiders. I think this is a Patrick Mahomes game. I don't think they're going to try to run it a ton because this Raiders secondary has been banged up. The Raiders are rushing the passer really well, but Mahomes is talking about he's healthier than he's been all year. Uh, I'm going to take the Raiders to cover, but I don't love it. Uh, I guess so I got 27-20 Chiefs. I'd li- I want to see what this is. Like I said, this is a measuring stick. Can the Raiders run it, play action, Derek Carr, high completion percentage? They move it down there. They slow the game down. They rush the passer on defense with these young guys. They're playing well. Or do they get their doors blown off? They don't ever play well in Kansas City. So I'm not, I'm not taking them. And I think the Chiefs actually get the break here with the weather because if the weather was really, really bad, the Chiefs got to run it. I don't think they want to. I think this, they want this to be a high-flying game. So it's going to be really interesting. Can the Raiders slow it down and run it on them? Or can the Chiefs just, like Jamie said, jump out there early and take the Raiders out of their game plan? I'm not real sure. It wouldn't surprise me either way, but I'm going to take the Chiefs 27-20 the Raiders to cover that. I think that one's going to be a fun one to watch too.
0: Yeah, Chiefs really need to get it going. It'd be uh, Chiefs haven't uh, been a
1: good, good at home this year. Like that's no one of the reasons have... I'm not taking them to cover. Like it's they've they've laid some eggs.
0: Yeah, this is, a, this is, I think, a good opportunity for that train to get rolling, for everybody to be reminded of what that offense looks like, because, man, oh, man, we have, uh, we've sure jumped ship on Mahomes and all over the Lamar Jackson show this year. And I saw some statistics. I even saw Pro Football Talk tweeted out Lamar Jackson, greater signed Patrick Mahomes. And I'm going, oh, my God. Yeah, we but then we're
1: talking are... about Florio. Florio loses his damn mind sometimes and just throws some it's... stuff out there. I don't think it's worth noting. I think it is worth noting the Raiders got completely embarrassed last week. A young team feeling themselves going on the road for another 1 o'clock Eastern kick and got their doors blown off. That doesn't sit well with professionals, whether are young professionals or not, and it damn sure did not sit well with John Gruden. So if you're the Chiefs, you don't like the fact that that team got embarrassed and they're damn sure going to put the workload in this week to get ready for this game because they obviously didn't last week get ready for the Jets.
0: Yeah, it. well, I think it's going to be a good one between those two teams. All right, uh, a game I'm actually really looking forward to um, is because it's in the backyard here in Arizona. It's the L.A. Rams coming into town to play the Arizona Cardinals, and that's because the Arizona Cardinals, as somebody who sat in San Francisco a couple of weeks ago, I can tell you the, the Niners fans were all worked up about how close – the Cardinals have given them scares over the last couple of weeks. And this is a team that's that's been playing better. Obviously, we talked about them not being a team that's going to win a ton of games, but they sure are exciting, and they've been closer in a lot of these games than – I mean, man, we just watched Green Bay get their doors blown off and Arizona went into San Francisco and played a really, 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 really close game with that team. Um, I I don't know how to, this is almost those ones, the Rams are a three point favorite against Arizona. And I kind of feel like it's a good opportunity to ride with the Cardinals getting three at home who do have a good atmosphere still um, playing at home. Jamie, what do you think is going to happen in this one?
2: I'm with you on this one. Uh, I'm going to go with the Cardinals plus three. I think this is a really close game. Uh, I have so many concerns about the Rams offense that there's not even enough time in this show to list them. Uh, Everybody knows what they are right now. It starts at the quarterback position and that's where their biggest issue lies. Um, The Cardinals, the the concern is the Cardinals still don't play any defense, particularly in their secondary right now. And it's just, they the Rams have enough talent to put up points. The question is, will they actually do it? Uh, and, you know, I, I look at this game and, and the Cardinals having – looks like they actually will have the full complement of backs for it. Chase Edmonds looks like he'll be back for this game. They'll have Drake Edmonds and David Johnson all available to them, to, which, again, is terrible for fantasy purposes because you're not going to feel confident starting any of them, but it's good for real football purposes so they can move them around and they can, they can get uh, – maybe they can use David Johnson more as the receiver in this game and get him in certain matchups, particularly when in the red zone where they did have some success with him earlier this season and be able to run the ball more effectively with guys that look like they have much fresher legs than Kenyon Drake and Chase Edmonds. Uh, and maybe we can scheme up a few different things. The Cardinals are playmakers are healthy on the offensive side right now. I think this is going to be a really close game. Uh, I'm just – the everything on paper says the Rams should put up a ton of points. You should love the Brandon Cooks matchup, the Robert Woods matchup, the Cooper Cup matchup. Um, one thing to keep an eye on actually on the Rams side of things is Gerald Everett's been banged up all week. And if he is, I kinda like Tyler Higby as a sneaky play because he has out snapped Gerald Everett each of the last two weeks and in four of the last six. And we all know the tight ends versus Cardinal stat. We don't need to go over that again. But he's somebody that if you're really desperate or you're Gerald Everett owner and you're gonna wait up till probably game time to see if he's gonna play, he's a good emergency fill in option for you.
1: I got the cards to cover that and win. I'm picking the cards thirty to twenty seven. I think it's gonna be I think it's gonna be a shootout. I think it's gonna be a hell of a lot of fun to watch. The Cardinals are coming off a bye. I love the fact that they got all three running backs healthy. David Johnson's been a disappointment, but don't be surprised if you see all three on the field at the same time. I, I, I'm, I'm really intrigued to see what this coaching staff and what Cliff Kingsbury comes up with coming off of his first buy as an NFL head coach. They did a ton of self-scout, but they also said, okay, what can we do to take advantage of these playmakers? Because they don't have a ton of weapons on offense on the outside. They, Christian Kirk's been really good. Andy Isabella's been good at times. you still got fits but you could do some really creative stuff with the with all three of those backs catch it really well, right? I, I'm really excited to see with Kyler Murray what they could do. I think you'll see a bunch of misdirection stuff where maybe David Johnson's in the slot and they're running a read option one way with Kenyon Drake and Murray rolls back out and throws it to David Johnson the other way, which is a matchup nightmare. I think you're going to see a lot of fun stuff here. Uh, I think the Rams will put up some points. Um But I think, really, Chandler Jones could be the difference maker in this game. I mean, he's still right there leading sacks, having another monster year superstar that doesn't get the credit he deserves. Uh, I think he could be the difference because this Rams offensive line has been garbage. But I'm going to take the cards to cover it and win. I think it's going to be a hell of a lot of fun. I think the Valley will get excited about this one, as they should.
0: Yeah. I'm, I'm, I'm toying with the idea of going to this football game just because I'm excited. And I, anything, any opportunity <sighs> to beat LA in any, in any sport, especially I'm that's good. like the one thing I've rallied around is in an <laughs> Arizona. And uh, I think this is, this could be a really, really fun matchup and I haven't seen K one at home. So I might, I might actually be in attendance. For this I like the, I
1: like this matchup better for the cards than like all the ones they got left. E- yeah, even the Steelers. I, I like this. The Steelers defense is going to give them problems because he's never seen stuff like that. I, this is going to be really interesting. I think Jalen Ramsey could be an X factor in this game, too. I just think this one's going to be fun. I mean, it's going to remind me a lot of the Buccaneers, Seahawks shootout. Uh, I don't think there's going to be a ton of defense play, but I think there's going to be high flying all over the place. If Goff has enough time. If Goff doesn't have enough time, the Cardinals could put it on him.
0: Yeah, listen. If th- this is an opportunity for the Arizona Cardinals to nail the coffin for the for the LA Rams in this season, if they if they can't win this game, this is this is pretty much your, this season's over for you guys. So I think big opportunity for the Cardinals. Uh, could have a little fun here with taking care of a team in the division that everybody hates. That's you know, the right. best the best
1: part about this is too. It wouldn't surprise me if the Rams beat them by fourteen.
0: Oh yeah, you're it, still it talking about a rookie day.
1: quarterback and Wade Phillips and and. Aaron Donald, like, th- that's what makes this game, I think, so intriguing and so much fun. Like, I'm going to pick the cards because I like where they're trending. They're getting some guys back, and they're coming off a bye. But the Rams are still uber-talented.
0: And I like McVay.
1: And so it's going to be fun. I think Wade Phillips will have some stuff schemed up for a rookie quarterback. So it wouldn't surprise me if that happens. But I, I, I'm excited to be to what the Cardinals can put out there.
0: Listen, big opportunity for Cliff Kingsbury in this in this offense, high flying offense, to go out there and showcase some some coaching abilities against the Wonder Boy, Sean McVay. Lot of fun. This could be a really really good one, and uh, could go a multitude of different ways. All right, the uh, two teams that I don't care about right now, the LA Chargers, uh, they're my disappointment of the season. I'm so I'm still so angry at them. Uh, the LA Chargers going on the road to play the Denver Broncos. The Chargers are a three-point favorite on the road here. Um, listen, neither one of these teams is going very far. Uh, they're not going into the playoffs, but there are uh, at least fantasy matchups to pay attention to. Jamie, what are you uh, what are you looking forward to in this game? And what do you how do you have it playing out?
2: So there are two key names we need to talk about for this game. First one is Drew Locke, who looks like is going to be starting for his first yep. game for the Broncos. And the bigger name to talk about is Derwin James, who is back at practice, expected to play this week and been designated to return from IR, which was a a move that we talked about in how many weeks ago now is one of the biggest losses for the Chargers and the Chargers defense this season. Uh, I think the Chargers' role in this game, I know it's it's a tough place to play in Denver, but I think the the Chargers are getting healthy enough in this game. I don't expect Drew to do much of anything, Derwin James being back is a huge boost to that defense. Again, he's expected to play. We'll see if he actually is out there. But it's a huge boost to that defense. I just don't – I mean the Broncos can't move the ball offensively right now. Uh, It's time just to at least see what Locke has because Brendan Allen, you kind of think you've already got an idea of what it is. But you can't feel any confidence starting any guy, even if you have Cortland Sutton, even if you have Phillip Lindsay. They're probably in a flex spot for you, but you're not going to feel great about it going in. Uh, I think Melvin Gordon and Austin Eckler both have pretty decent games as RB2s here. Keen Allen's going to get his. Um, but this is, to me, is going to be a really interesting thing because we're going to look at those two guys and see, you know, how big of an addition is Darwin James to that defense? And does Julock show us anything to say maybe the Broncos don't need to be back in the quarterback market again next off season.
1: Yeah, I think Hunter Henry has a big game here too. The, the there are two more names to talk about, and that's Ingram and Bosa. And, and a rookie quarterback. I don't give a damn if they're playing a mile higher, they're playing in Mexico City or whatever. You're talking about a rookie quarterback playing this defense with those two guys. And you just watch what he did to Aaron Rodgers. Welcome to the NFL, young man. The bolts roll. I got him 28 14. I don't think the Denver Broncos can put up any more than 14 points. And I'm not sure they can do that. This defense, you look, know, it's kind of the Chargers thing to do is play themselves into when it doesn't really matter and then look awesome. The last four or five weeks, which don't be surprised okay. if that happens. Don't, exactly. Don't be surprised if that happens. I think they look phenomenal in this game. I think they blow the, the Broncos doors off.
0: Ju and and it's just a reminder to me that I have to go back and listen to this podcast and remind myself not to fall in love with this stupid team again because this is what Yeah,
1: they yeah, do yeah. It. You and me both. You and me yeah, both. They
0: do, it, they do it every single year. But welcome to the NFL rookie. The AFC though,
1: it, they're not yeah. out of it. I mean we Yeah. <laughs> you can keep saying that. I think Derwin James and his ability to be all over the place, you know, it'll take a couple weeks before he's really up to full speed. I mean, he's he's coming back off of this, but yeah,
0: he'll, he make, he'll make he'll make some plays. Still make a huge difference and a huge uplift for that defense, uh, especially, uh, like I said, welcome to the welcome to the NFL, rookie. That'll be a, a fun one for you to have to deal with uh, those two guys and plus Derwin James. Uh, good luck. Good luck with that. Uh, the Sunday night football game, our last matchup to talk about here is the New England Patriots going on the road to play the Houston Texans. The Patriots are three and a half point favorites in this one uh listen i i know that this could be a good matchup but i we talked about a game earlier that i wish got flexed into sunday night football but of course they would never take the patriots off prime time so jake what do you have happening in this matchup
1: i got the texans winning and covering that i'm gonna go with the texans 28 24 i love it i like this matchup for them Uh, i know the the patriots defense has been awesome and their past defense has been awesome lamar lamar jackson is as as special as there is a player in the league, but Deshaun Watson's not far as far as making magic happen and making stuff off schedule happen. It, the chemistry with DeAndre Andre Hopkins, Will Fuller being back has been awesome, and I know he's banged up, but uh, if he plays, I, I just I, I don't know. I just I just come kind of going on my gut on this one. The Texans' defense still really sneaky, stopping the run. I don't think and they're going to put it on Tom Brady, who has very limited weapons left. Edelman's going to play, even though he's banged up. I don't know. I, I'm kind of. I'm just going to go with the Texans off a of gut on this one. I, I have a feeling as the Patriots start playing better and better teams and in prime time, they're they're limited in some in some places, and it's going to show up. And yes, they outcoach everybody, but Bill O'Brien's done a hell of a job with this team as well. Romeo Crennel is pretty damn good himself. I, I'm going with my gut more than anything else, but I'm going to throw the Texans out there to win and cover that.
2: I'm not sure I'm going to pick them to win, but I am going to pick them to cover. I think this is a field goal game. I think this is going to be really close. Look, the Patriots have to deal with a lot of issues. Their offense has been bad. We've known that already. Uh, their receiving core is still hurt. They're now down to a third string kicker because Nick Falk is going to miss this game after his appendectomy. Uh, you Again, you, st- you start to look at incrementally like, – in, can't speak today. Incrementally breaking down all these elements of their offense that have gotten them – just a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit worse, a little bit more challenging. And at some point, it's going to come back to bite them in this game, and, and it's going to come back to bite them with a loss. And I think that's what's going to happen here on the road. I think the Texans can put up enough offense with Deshaun Watson to get enough on that Patriots defense, which again still really hasn't played much of anybody this year. Uh, and I don't know if the Patriots offense can respond. Can they come back from a 10-point deficit in the fourth quarter? And it's not if Tom Brady can. It's if the weapons, if can, can the offensive line keep him upright? Uh, so I think this is going to be a really close game. I think the Patriots would eke it out in the end, uh, but I think this is going to be a three point game. So I'm going to take the Texans plus three and a half at home.
1: I like Carlos Hyde in this game, by the way. I, him, you can, him you can the run game. it on the oh. Patriots. They're going to try to. I mean, I think I like him. I, I'm just like I said. I'm going yeah. with my gut. But this Texans defense has been better than advertised. as much as we killed them earlier in the year, as bad as that secondary has been, Romeo Cornell's done a hell of a job coaching them up.
2: One other thing to note in this game is that no team has allowed running backs to catch more passes this year than the Houston Texans. So that's big news. If you're a James white owner.
0: Okay. Very good point. That is, uh, I don't think Sony Michelle is doing much. Yeah. Officially during our podcast, I know we alluded to it. Golden Tate has been ruled out of that game against the Packers. So it looks like we've got a couple of. So no, no Evan,
1: Tate, no Ingram. Yeah.
0: No Tate and no Ingram. So the Packers, dear God, you better take care of business if you think you're, you fancy yourself a playoff team, because uh, that team's down to the slim pickings for that offense. Uh, any parting thoughts on today's podcast? Jamie, I'll let you uh, take it away.
2: Just kind of keep an eye on some of these guys that are game game time decisions. I think Zach Ertz is probably the biggest name that's going to probably go down right down to the wire uh, and see. And make sure you have other options for them. Even if you pick them up early or know they're going to be out there in the waiver wire, just keep an eye out for these guys because you can't get caught this time of year. For most of you, this is the last game of the regular season. This is your last chance to make a push. you got to be paying attention literally right up to kickoff. Uh, I don't care what you're doing, whether you're on your phone, whether you're on your computer – do at a baby shower, don't care. You gotta find a way to make sure you're paying attention right up to kickoff because it could cost you the fantasy season.
1: Yeah, I'm gonna go on a little bit of a rant here in the dumbest freaking thing I've seen in football in a long damn time. And that's not Dwayne Haskins last week, which I thought was the dumbest damn thing I've seen in a long ass time. If, if there's another game on last night that's a tradition that we didn't talk about, the egg bowl, Mississippi State Ole Miss. Played in Starble, Mississippi State's up twenty one to fourteen. Ole Miss scores with four seconds left. All they got to do is kick a 20-yard extra point in college, which should be a piece of cake, unless the dumbass receiver that catches the touchdown crawls like a dog, lifts his leg to pee on something to mock the fans in the start ball. And what happens? The kicker misses the extra point, and you lose. You dumb son of a bitch. What in the hell is wrong with this generation of kids? And I guess it's a college football thing, and you're young and whatever, but that's the dumbest thing I've seen in football this year. And I thought I saw it all last week with Dwayne Hafton taking a freaking selfie and missed the last snap of the game. Abs, I, Oh, my God. Go look it up. I tweeted it, retweeted it. It's absolutely – Oh, I've seen it.
0: Oh, I've they seen literally it. pissed it away. Yep. I, I am here for all things that Jake has become the curmudgeon old man on our podcast, yelling at the kids. I'm here for all of it, the YouTube generation. Um, listen, there are stupid things, and then there's that. I, I I don't even have words for what happened in that game. I know it's not an NFL game, but, man, it was – if you are a player on that team, you have to be just infuriated. By the way, not, do you
1: think crawling like good. a you – know, ro- rolling around like a dog and lifting your leg to pee to mock the other team is bad? How bad are you getting mocked after you lost a game because of it for a full year? Because don't think no, the Bulldog forever. fans aren't going to be letting the Rebel fans hear about this dumbass you got playing for you that cost you the game.
0: Yeah, sometimes you just gotta wait till the game's over, right? Like, I'm I'm all for the, I'm all for the smack talk, and I'm, I'm
1: not that damn old. I mean, that's that's all fun, but and
0: I love celebrations, but that not in college
1: football because it'll cost you a flag, and this will cost you the game.
0: That's exactly right. You got to know the rules, my friend, and the rules are different in college football than they are in the NFL. And you can't be doing that; otherwise, you are going to get yourself in trouble. You're also not the Miami Hurricanes that were beating teams by you know 45 points when doing stuff. Look, if you're up by if
1: if Ole Miss was blowing their doors off and they're up by 30, take the flag. I'm loving it. I'm all for it. Look, I love the Canes in the 80s. I loved them getting off the bus and the fatigues and all the crap that was being talked. And they were the first ones with the turnover chain. And I love all this way. But the other dumbest thing i've seen in a long time is them losing to florida atlantic and their players (laughs) dancing on the sidelines a couple weeks i didn't even bring that one up
0: yeah that's what uh, you do
1: when you're blowing people's doors off and you're the actual miami hurricanes florida atlantic just dusted you like this is the same thing here this it's all it's all swag over substance and that's all we're seeing and you cost your team a win and it sucks
0: Swag over substance. I'm gonna put it on a T-shirt and sell it for Jake. Uh, listen, you can have fun, you can have the swagger, but you got to back it up. That's, that's I'm, I'm, all the swag. I'm all for it. There's a place for it. Yeah,
1: the substance has to come before the swag. It doesn't
0: go the other Correct. way around. Correct. That is that is the that is the correct. I have no parting thoughts other than I agree with Jake and uh, swag over sub or uh, swag over substance is what's happening, and it should be substance over swag. Jamie, how can everybody follow you on social media?
2: You can follow me at Jamie Eisner on Twitter. Hashtag Substance Over Swag.
0: <laughs> <laughs> Jake, how can everybody follow Jake you?
1: B- Jake Arians B- on Twitter. <laughs>
0: Uh, And you guys can follow me at the underscore sports page with an eye on both Twitter and Instagram, and just feel free to hashtag the show all weekend with substance over swag. Have a good weekend.
1: Thank you for listening to believe you can show support to your host by subscribing to the show and giving us a five-star rating on your preferred platform. Check us out at believe.com and search for B L E A V on YouTube.